Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast here at The Athletic Toronto. We should be reading all of our stuff and subscribing to the app. Just do to, it. To read the stuff of Eric Kareen and myself, Blake Murphy, and Sarah Zoe, and all the great people in the Leafs and Jays and all the other sports and cities. And I believe by the time you hear this, in fact, there will be a profile of R.J. Barrett on The Athletic. Is that so? Who wrote that? Uh, I think it's coming from the Fieldhouse, the College Hoops oh, nice. site. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote it, but... Uh, my sources tell me it's dropping tomorrow. Excellent. Um, uh, that's great timing because R.J. Barrett will announce his college decision on Friday. It's almost like they planned 6 it. PM. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you are you doing anything? Are you going to his announcement? I sure am not. Yeah, I'm out of town this weekend. I would like to. I wouldn't. It's exciting. He'll be picking one of, you know, a couple schools that will probably have the same, the exact same thing to write about. He'll go to a place. That yeah. team will be good. Then he'll go to the NBA, and he'll be good, probably. He will almost definitely be good. Um, <laughs> RJ Barrett, man, this is uh, low energy and way off topic right away. Uh, this is the Raptors Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me in the bowels of the Air Canada Center following the Toronto Raptors 119-114 victory over the Chicago Bulls is Eric Kareen. Um, we're going to be a tighter podcast today because I'm fostering two uh, five-week-old puppies who I need to get home to, and I don't really want to invest like 40 minutes um, in a podcast after a game against the Bulls that was a particularly awful game. Just boring all the way around. Uh, it's hard to say much decisive about it other than the Bulls bench is pretty bad. The Bulls bench is exceptionally bad. Uh, Bobby Portis, though, Ooh. got those buckets in. He was playing like he missed the first eight games of the season and missed those shots. 21-13-4 and four yeah. for Bobby Portis. Take 24 the, minutes. Take that, Nico. Um, so Bobby Portis did most of his damage in the second half. The story of this game um, was kind of the flip of the ugly, ugly loss on Sunday to the Washington Wizards. In this case, the Raptors got out to a pretty strong start. The starters um, looked good. I believe they were plus 12 in their in their initial stretch, um, or in their in the first, first half. half. Yeah, yeah, not the initial stretch. The initial stretch stayed they were tight, up but the, one or something, yeah, but the starters looked a lot better. Um, a higher energy, better defensive approach, and, and then they really ran away with things in the the end of the second quarter. The Raptors took a 20 point lead into halftime and then came out with next to no energy, nearly blew the lead in the fourth quarter. It got down to, um, you know, where the Bulls were very legitimately threatening. Um, Dwayne Casey even took, he had the starters back in at some point and put Pascal Siakam back in for a defensive boost. That didn't quite turn out. Um, this was, you know, the flip of Sunday's game, which was a lot more alarming, where they didn't come out with anything against Washington. The bench got them back in it, and then the starters punted it away down the stretch. Yeah. Um, concerned at all about the inability to maintain 48 minutes of, of focus already this early in the year? Not particularly. I mean, I am a bit worried about the starting group as a whole, and that's a slightly different conversation. But... Um, I think like playing a full 48 is sort of a myth and it's something that you know makes for a nice talking point but intrinsically the NBA is another cliche a game of runs and uh, it's really hard to go wire to wire uh, although the Raptors have have lost two games this year in which they've never led 
There you go. Um, but uh, to, to give you an idea, those of, are those are that's those are the exceptions. To give you an idea of how hard it is to play a full forty-eight, but the fact that no one accepts that. Um, when the Raptors got pasted by the Denver Nuggets the other week, they were down like thirty when the teams emptied their benches, and um, Mike Malone for the Nuggets was like incensed with the way his garbage time unit defended and like tore them a new one after the game when the team had just won by like 15 or 20 whatever the final score was and the only reason it was even remotely close was because Alfonso McKinney went off yes he's the best three-point shooter on the team so far so while it may be difficult to play a full 48 in basketball as a game of runs coaches will not not use those lull periods as teaching opportunities or yelling opportunities Uh, Dwayne Casey seemed you know calm enough about the way his team played, but like pretty disappointed, it seemed like in the way you know they handled things in the second half. They they surrendered, I think it was 115.9 points per 100 possessions yeah. to a Bulls team that was four points per 100 possessions worse than any other team on offense coming into yeah, this game. Yeah, 69 points in the second half is just not unacceptable. Nice. Oh come on. Yeah. I know. Um, um, yeah. It, it, the Bulls shot 49% for the game, got the line 28 times. We're able to shoot 33s. A lot of them ended up being fairly open. Yeah. Uh, not a really not a good defensive performance. No, um, and in I think either of the last yeah. two games. And I think Dwayne Casey's been talking about transition defense a lot uh, the last few days, and you could see elements of that uh, on what day is I? You know, Today is I, Tuesday. I was writing my story, and I, I like wrote like. I never wrote Tuesday correctly the first time, like when trying to refer to the day. Historically, like, like, yeah, this is the Raptors very don't weird. play Tuesdays and Thursdays, and yeah. this is already the I think the second time we've yeah. had a Tuesday Thursday. Yeah, they we've won't. They won't. Ha- they won't have a Wednesday, Friday, or Sunday game, which are their main home days, yeah. until next Friday. Yeah, which is very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, and they have an odd Friday Saturday off this week. Yeah, which uh, is thank you. Yeah, that's that's nice. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about the inability <laughs> to sustain. Uh, well, we were mostly talking about the defense the and how shaky. The inability to sustain a twenty-minute podcast. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, kind of ironic, sent the word, but kind of weird in the Bulls' um, comeback is that it was led by Bobby Portis in his first game back, but Nikola Mirotic is still out. Yeah. It's very odd that. It's odd to see Portis back while Mirotic is still on the shelf. Well, see, but this has always confused me about all suspensions like there are people who argue that the person should be out as long as the injured party is out like when it happens in hockey and somebody elbows the guy in the head and he yeah, is like I disagree with that like I so why should this be any different because like they're act, on the same team and it's way more awkward yeah but the act is the act and the act is deserving of whatever the act is deserving right of. Except, I think that I the, mean, you shouldn't punch your teammates. That's bad. Exactly. This is not punching an opponent. Yeah. This is punching your teammate, and I mean, really, you could make the case that one of those guys should just never play for the Bulls again. Yes. Although I think Nikola Mirotic would very much like that if, <laughs> if it was him. Yeah. If, if he could get traded to a halfway functional team, that would be great. Another but, player who probably shouldn't play for the Chicago Bulls very much longer is Robin Lopez, who is. I love watching him and Jonas Valanciunas play against each other because neither of them can guard each other. (laughs) So Lopez ends up with 20 points on 10 of 11 shooting in 26 minutes. Valanciunas has 21 points on just seven field goal attempts in 24 minutes. Um, Neither one can guard each other, and they both look 
terrible on defense as it's happening, even though Robin Lopez is a quality defender in general. Robin Lopez at one point took four dribbles and took a, like an 18-footer and hit it tonight. Yeah, you know what? Like, that, that, that would be Has the, he taken four dribbles all season? That would like, be the weirdest thing had DeMar DeRozan not hit two pull-up above the break threes <laughs> and Kyle Lowry hit a put-back in transition. And JV hit a three. And JV hit a three. This game was also... This it is was, this is what the Bulls are going to introduce into the league. And, you, I mean, we saw earlier or I guess last week at this point, with the Hawks beating the Cavaliers, like, bad teams just kind of ratchet up the weirdness of everything, yeah. and it's too early and everyone's still a little too panicky about the offense changes and about some of the stinkers the Raptors have laid to kind of appreciate the the odd variance in an 82-game schedule where weird stuff just happens some nights. Uh, I feel like if this game had happened in January when the Raptors are 9 or 10 games above 500, it would be a lot funnier and just, oh, basketball. Yeah. Um, but because the Raptors, you know, had they squandered this away, they'd be 5-5. Five and five. They'd have lost yeah. two in a row at home. Um, it would be three times in, well, I mean, it is, regardless of the result, three times in four games that they have looked not like the team that looked good on the West Coast trip. Yeah, um, it's, uh, there are there are some concerning signs. As much as everything is just one game, it's now you know two and a half, or I guess one game and two half games yeah. in the last four, where there have been some concerning signs. Yeah, definitely, and I think you know going forward, they're definitely gonna. They had a better night from three point range. Tonight, thirteen uh, of twenty five. Thirteen of twenty five. You still want to get those attempts up higher. They were. The one egregious possession was the one that Powell ended up throwing to Dwayne Casey, where like five guys could have shot. And I think that's yeah. you know that's sort of the nature of players when uh, when the shots aren't falling, you start trying to make the perfect basketball play. And part of the idea of the new Raptors offense is to not you know. They want to they want to pass, but they don't want to overpass. Yeah, they don't want to pass means. for the sake of passing. Yeah. And, and C.J. Miles said something interesting to me in the preseason when he was first working with the bench unit, um, and he said something he's tried to drill on those guys, particularly yeah. OG Ananobi, is that you know with that unit you want to shoot. Hey Matt, how are you? You guys taping the podcast? podcast. Yeah, Matt, De- really? Matt Devlin, everyone. Oh, really? Yes. Look at you with the podcast. Really? He's, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're not going to mention what he's pointing out. Professional. Is, yes, you are. Yeah. You Have a good one, Matt. Good. You never know who you're going to run into here. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Um, you never know who you're going to run into on the Raptors reasonable Love when people live. pander as yeah. they walk, as they, as they interrupt. It's, it's, um, it's excellent. So, um, yeah, CJ Miles, anyway, when he was working with the bench unit, something he told me he was trying to drill home, particularly to Ananobi, is that it's so important for a team that hasn't shot the three-point shot a lot and guys who haven't shot a lot to shoot quickly and decisively yeah. when they're open because, especially in that second unit where there's not a lot of shot creators, if you pass up a decent shot early in the clock, it's going to be hard for that group to manufacture a better shot as the clock's winding down. And what's, so, yeah, what's funny, I was looking at the five-man bench unit and obviously there have been multiple iterations of this now but the one they started the season with which is still the lineup they've played that has played the second second most minutes like they're not even scoring 100 points per possession now they're now they're letting up 84 points per possession we've talked about this a couple um, times how they might go on a 4-2 run over five minutes but like one of those things seems more sustainable than the other yeah. uh, and unfortunately, unfortunately it's the middling offense but as you so eloquently tweeted tonight if they just play the Bulls every five games yeah. that bench lineup is uh, it's gonna look you, great. you can't the, argue the net rating that. won't get low enough um, yeah. so a concerning thing with the offense the, the ball did move around a little bit better you mentioned 
uh, the overpassing a little bit. The Raptors had 16 turnovers to 22 assists. Uh, 22 assists is an okay number. It's a 50% assist rate. They'd like that to be higher. More concerning is that despite this strong three-point shooting night um, and the fact that the ball was moving well early, only two assists and only one three in the fourth quarter. And I think what a lot of fans will probably, I haven't checked my mentions after the game yet because you know I'm, I'm a little too tired for that right now. Um, but one thing I think people are going to probably glob onto, and it's something Dwayne Casey talked about post-game, is that um, the offense was not the new offense as they're trying to close out in the last five or six minutes. And uh, DeMar DeRozan had some interesting shot choices that dropped because he's DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan. Kyle Lowry had a couple tough drives. Um, Kyle Lowry, who, by the way, had 17 points, and I had a tweet queued up the entire fourth quarter that, hey, Kyle Lowry's at 20 points for the first time this year, ending his longest sub-20 point streak as a Raptor. But it continues at 10 yeah. games now. Never pre-write. Never pre-write tweets. Um, so a little concerning that they kind of lost the plot again with that. I know that Dwayne Casey will hammer home that late in games, you want the ball in the hands of your best scorers. Uh, when you have a lead, the Raptors have always valued the ability to eat some clock as well, trusting that Lowry or DeRozan will be able to make something late in the clock, and that hurts the other team's comeback chances. Um, do you think that, you know, how much work do you think there is still to do in terms of finding that balance late? Because it has been yeah, ugly on a couple I've, occasions late. I think Golden State was another Golden State was example a yeah. of that. Long two pull-ups against yeah. Iguodala or tough floaters with Trey Mondrake all over Yeah, um, it is concerning, and there is validity in what Dwayne Casey says about just getting it to your best players and letting them create, but these offensive changes are about empowering other players, uh, and you can't just empower players in the second and third quarter. You have to empower them in meaningful moments, and you know that's obviously, you know, I'm not sure. I want anybody, but DeRozan and Lowry ultimately taking those shots unless they're completely draped. And I, I, I will I, tell I, you, I want CJ Miles. Yes, he's averaging what? I, I at some point tonight it was like ten point six three point attempts per thirty six minutes. Yeah. That could be as that could be any number, and yeah. I would say it's still. It doesn't too low. seem like that. It doesn't. And, yeah, um, I think part of it is because he's not playing a lot of minutes. No. Um, I think it's like the lowest minutes he's played now in a while. And part of that was he was sick for two games, and, yeah. and I, he didn't look particularly good. Yeah. I think his role is going to increase at some point. He's going to play, the, spend the, more time with the starters yeah. at some point because he's way too valuable, mm -hmm. and he hasn't been closing games, yeah. and he would seem to be a pretty natural piece yeah. to close games. Also, so. the Raptors aren't going to play 12 players all year. Yeah, I mean, Dwayne Casey was, I guess this is something we can talk about too, I and mean, it's something we've both written about, the loaded front court rotation now. Um, Dwayne Casey, the last couple games, has continued to use 12 players, and what that's entailed is all 12 players playing in each half. Um, on a night like tonight, you see um, Lucas Nogueira and Jakob Pertl playing 10 and 11 minutes respectively, and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi playing 12 minutes each, and, and that's with Siakam getting a late run to close. Uh, I personally think that this needs to be called down to 9 or 10. It can be wider against teams like the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry are averaging their fewest minutes in years, which is a great byproduct of this. Um, but eventually you want to call that rotation down a little bit, not just because it's, you know, not just because you want that certainty, uh, but you also, it's harder to get a feel for guys, yeah. and it's harder for guys to get a rhythm in 10 minutes, and you're not getting as much data on how things are working when everyone's playing these short shifts. Yeah, like tonight, I think both of the last two nights, uh, 
they've used all three centers, if not in the first quarter, then in the first then, 14 then minutes, pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah, it's been Nogueira comes in for yeah. Valanciunas, and then Portal comes in to and, start the second. And Nogueira was pretty bad tonight, so I understand why he was so, pulled. But you two can, moving screens. Yeah, wow, it's never happened before. Yeah, um, but there is something to be said about letting y your younger guys play through mistakes and. Casey's right when he says none of those guys have vastly outperformed the other. Well, this is the thing. Um, Which one do you pick yeah, to let exactly. play through the mistakes? So, like, do you just, like, pick out of a hat every game? Yeah. Like, it's, and it is tricky. I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure what the right answer is. I think yeah. out of, like, the four of them, maybe Siakam has been the most consistent. Uh, Pirtle's been pretty consistent, too, though. Although Casey um, disagrees with that. He, he did mention the other day that Pirtle's been, been up and down. And down. Yeah. yeah, which... You know, I, I have kind of viewed it this year that Noguera has had really good games yeah. and then stinkers like tonight, and Pirtle's kind of been the middle, yeah. which has always kind of been yeah. the case. Pirtle's your floor guy, Bebe's your ceiling. Yeah. Um, and, and some of it's matchup dependent, I guess. But, um, yeah, if I, I think there's room. Look, I, I, it's tough to say this because I wrote a, a piece at The Athletic about Fred Van Vliet on Tuesday, um, and he had a really strong game on Sunday and helping yeah. lead that comeback charge. I think he is still on balance, probably been the least effective of the 12 guys who have yeah. been in the rotation. And you can slide the lawn right to the point guard position and open up minutes for yeah. Siakam and Ananobi. But 11 is still too many. It is. So, so, so what, what I, where I was going with that is I think the decision comes down to which backup center yeah. are you going to play Probably. because I think you can keep Siakam and Ananobi both in the rotation and they're both doing enough encouraging things. Um, they both have enough versatility to slide from the three to the four, yeah. to maybe even the five. And Miles and Anobi Siakam can switch a lot of stuff yeah. defensively and get out and run, and, yeah. and you don't really lose that much shooting because Van Vliet hasn't been spotting up. Like, he hasn't yeah. shot a ton of spot-up shots. He, he's more been a, a drive-oriented player. Yeah, I think eventually Pirtle's going to get the first extended crack at... Uh, the at the backup spot, yeah. minutes, and I just think that's Nagara's thing. Like, <laughs> you know, inherent inconsistency that we've seen over three years. But like, when he looks good, as we've seen, a lot. you know, on in 14 minutes against Washington, he was far and away their best center. Yeah, uh, he very, had that 17 point game a while back too. Good against Portland. Good yeah. against Utah. Um, and he does he, things can, that the other yeah, bigs can't do. Is do. the thing is like. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's true for all of them, like with Valanciunas' yeah. um, you know, kind of pull as a, as a role man, and, and he's an elite scorer there, and then Pirtle kind of with his savviness, and he's the best, he's probably the best defensively of the three, or at least has been so yeah. far. Um, again, what a, what a, a catch he made tonight, yeah. too, uh, in traffic. Uh, yeah. Uh, his hands are unreal. OG almost hit him for a lob, too, out of like, De DeMar got trapped, and, and, and an OB had the four-on-three situation and threw a lob, and it was a good read. They just didn't connect. Can we talk about OG at the rim right now? It's yeah. It's like it's. it's you want to like, talk about the non alley-oop? Yeah, yeah. Like it's. He's recovering from knee surgery. Let's all understand that he's recovering from knee surgery. Yeah. I wish we could drop. He is looking like a young Demary Carroll <laughs> when attacking the rim. It makes me nervous. Yeah, which is not, weird not, because not for the long term. It just makes me nervous. Like each time it happens. Here's what I think he needs to do, um, and obviously as someone who loves leg day, I'm, I'm in a good position to say this. Instead of doing 400 sets of squats, maybe OG could mix in some calf raises. I mean, the calves are there, but he, he needs that bounce back a little bit, and, and he's... You should go you know, tell him that. He <laughs> looks like a guy who loves a squat day. You should go tell him that, and you know what he'll say? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, no, Ananobi has been very good. And if there's one concern, yeah. it's that he hasn't gotten that burst back. But he's also still at a point where, you know, he's he was off for like seven or eight months. Yeah. And he's only, you know, I don't think he's played a, a stint longer than eight or nine minutes. Yeah. I'm not, con- again, I'm not concerned yeah. long picture, but, or whatever big picture. But it's just every time he goes there, it's like he thinks he has that hop. Yeah. And he does not. Um, I do wonder, and he is he has played too well to for this to be a decision based on merit or based on freeing up minutes for Pascal Siakam. I do wonder if it's in the plans at any point for him to go to the 905 so he can play 30, 35 yeah. minutes and kind of get that condition. Because I'm not sure. I mean, he'll he'll be fine in this role getting his conditioning up to playing the 14 or 16 minutes a game. But I do wonder if there's a time like this week where, you know, um, Raptors at home, 905 at home the next day, Raptors at home. And, and the Raptors, 905, are at home most of November. Uh, I wonder if he spends a couple games there um, to ratchet up his minutes and get his conditioning up. And it might be tough because Alfonso McKinney and Bruno Caboclo are going to be there. Um, they're, you know, but you you make it work. I don't I don't yeah. know. I don't think he needs it He's from a positionless like, basketball, Jerry Stackhouse. You know, Stackhouse would have a field day with Ananobi, Caboclo, and McKinney on defense. It'd be <laughs> poor, poor Stackhouse in the 905. They've already lost Kyle Wilcher and Eddie Tavares this year, and they've played a combined one game all you for Real, the team. All you Real Madrid fans, go read my Eddie Tavares story up on theathletic.com. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's going to be so weird. They're raising the banners Wednesday night, and literally there will be Bruno and Negus Webster-Chan. Negus Webster-Chan, baby. Yeah. Um, that, and those will be the only guys. Uh, you, this is what you should write, is just write Negus Webster-Chan tomorrow. Negus Webster Chan might say less than OG Ananobi. Um, Never mind. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah, there are signs for concern. There are signs for encouragement. Uh, the Overall, team, though, like, uh, at least before tonight, they are top 10 offense on defense. Uh, yeah. I know the, the defensive performance tonight, I know yeah. a lot. Of, I know there are score effects that we don't control for particularly well in basketball yet on the defensive end. Like, like teams, by and large, defend worse when they're up 20 points. Yeah. Um, but Boston, uh, Chicago hanging 69 yeah. on you in a game would almost be concerning the way that they've played so far. Yeah, no, obviously it's it's it is very concerning. But uh, as a there have been some bad performances, but six and four, you know, not looking out of place on either end. Uh, the bench, the bench looking good. I think like there's more positive to take away than negative from the first ten games. If there were, I don't want to be excessively negative. But uh, well, it's just your nature, as opposed to me, Mr. No. Sunshine. Yeah, um, I, I want to ask you, of the things that have popped up, is there one thing that sticks out to you as the thing you're most concerned about, whether it's you know something with the offense, whether it's the play of, of Kyle Lowry or someone else on the team? You know, Norman Powell has you know, been fairly up and down uh, to start the year as well on the offensive end. Is there something that stands out that you're kind of keeping an eye on, um, something that you're wondering, is it fact or is it fiction? Yeah, I don't know how the front court is going to work. The starting front court is going to continue to work. It's uh, sort of a defensive liability right now. Is this one uh, of your five facts or fictions? Y- yeah. Okay. Uh, the starting group is, before tonight, letting up 110 points per 100. Uh, that is bad. And it follows some trends with Serge Ibaka last year, both in Orlando and Toronto, uh, where he struggled with traditional centers. and. Now, does putting another center there, whether it's Nagara or Pirtle, change things? Does he have to be the center and you put 
Ananobi or Siakamen. I'm not sure what the answer is. I'm not sure. I don't think you're going to see a different uh, front court for a while yet. Yeah, I don't um, think they're changing the starting lineup. But I think it it's going to eventually come to that. Uh, at what, when that is, whether it's game 45, game 65, or game 85, like, I, it's... The issue yeah. is, is that, you know, if they make that change, so eventually... Many, yeah. Well, it's not even that you have so many guys that work in. That would, the center thing would be an issue if Ibaka started at center, which I don't think they'll do unless it's a particular playoff yeah. opponent because he's not good defensively against certain center types. Yeah. Like, Robin Lopez would have given him those buckets the way he gave them the yeah. Valanciunas. Brooke Lopez, maybe he just has trouble with the Lopez. Yeah. Lopi? <laughs> Lopez is... is yeah. Um, but he doesn't, you know, and he's a, he's a poor rebounder for a power forward. Yeah. So... You know, that's an area where Jonas Valanciunas really helps. The, the bigger issue to me, I guess, it, sorry, it's a smaller issue, but an issue that Dwayne Casey might have is that neither one of those guys really fits with the way the second unit has played and wants yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, if either of those guys is on the floor, you better be using them, and you're not running nearly as much. Even if a buck is at the five, he's not you know, getting up and down the way even Pirtle is. Yeah, but um, you can't continue to play a starting group that yeah. leaks eight points per hundred. I will know? say um, so it's the, still very early yes. with this group. Abaka and Valanciunas got some time together last year, but this fivesome in particular coming into tonight had played zero regular or zero regular season minutes last year, three playoff minutes last year, and 71 regular season minutes this year. So 74 minutes, and then they probably played about 20 tonight. Yeah. We're still dealing with a small sample. Yeah. On paper, Abaka and Valanciunas is probably not going to be optimal. Yeah. But... Yes, it's, you know they could probably. Although we've been saying this with, you know, Lowry, DeRozan, Valanciunas, and different threes and fours for a long time. That like, hey, it should be better. Or maybe you could do this. This yeah. is the year that I think I have the most patience for it because there's not an obvious answer sitting on the bench. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely true. And uh, as you say, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess up the bench necessarily to get the starters right, but. You also can't start games the way they've been right. starting them. And you ultimately need to land on some effective units, hopefully on, you know, so maybe you throughout the game. Maybe the change that you make, and part of this would be because, you know, he's the piece that you could most seamlessly change, probably without worrying about egos or value or anything like that, is maybe CJ Miles eventually starts and you just outscore teams with your starters. Yeah. That's, it's not, that, you know, it's not the way, they, it's not the think, way they'd like to win. Yeah, but. I don't think it's the answer to anything meaningful, no. but uh, I think that but. is the most likely first change in the starting lineup when everybody's healthy. But, yeah. you know, based on merit and fit, I'm not sure that it is. But yeah. I don't, basketball's complicated. I don't see any scenario in which Ibaka is not starting um, because Siakam yeah. Valanciunas wouldn't be a particular, like it might, fit a little it, it'll be maybe better defensively because i think siakam's better guarding power forwards than abaka at this yeah. point or it has looked so yes. through 10 games um but that's going to cause complications offensively that we've saw last year and siakam's better obviously i don't think abaka's um, coming off the bunch i don't think so either <laughs> um you could make a case for valanciunas he looked good in that role last year um but in that case i don't think you start abaka at center because then you know, then you're starting small, you're starting with poor rebounders. I think it would be a case where whichever of Pirtle or Nogueira eventually runs with the job, they would start at center, and you're a little better defensively, and, you know, you probably still give up something on the boards. But yeah. I don't know. There's not a, this is yeah, this is why I have more patience for it this year, and I've, try, I've talked to people about it, and, and 
you know, a couple people have pointed out, well, the last two years, like, you were all over Casey to make the change in the starting lineup because it wasn't working. And I was like, yeah, and I've tried to explain it because there was a solution. Like, there was, there was something that made sense that's like, look, this will probably work and, you know, it's worth at least seeing because it makes so much sense on paper. There's not a great solution here. They just, the pieces don't fit great. Shout out to Patrick Patterson, who's not scoring at all and has an awesome uh, net rating. And whose knee City. doesn't look super awesome. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, let's, let's talk about something positive then before we wrap this up. Um, what is something that, not to go back to your fact or fiction thing, but... Is there something that you've noticed, the same question as the negativity, but like something that has surprised you or that you maybe didn't expect that you're encouraged about its potential to keep up from here? Like you think about length in theory and you're like, and wingspan oh, do I? in theory, and you're like, oh, you get all those arms on the floor like you saw with Milwaukee last year um, in the playoffs and think like how few passing lanes there could possibly be for the opposition. But then you see some of the lineups the Raptors are throwing out there, and you see them like, like, why would you ever throw a pass to the, like, while DeLon Wright is guarding somebody as he's cutting to the rim? Like, he's going to deflect it. Yeah, we don't, we don't have sports view data going back long enough, but DeLon Wright might be on pace for a deflections per minute <laughs> yeah. record. Yeah, like OG Adobe just, like, rips balls out of guys' He hands. had one tonight uh, yeah. where he just stole, he <laughs> cut through the paint to steal pass and threw a terrific outlet to yeah. Kyle Lowry. Yeah, that was... That was pretty awesome. Um, so the versatility that they can throw out there while not absolutely sinking offensively, um, and they're, again, they're not doing great offensively, but they can give you so many different looks on, on the defensive end. I think this team has a good chance of being a top 10 defensive team and, and doing it. And, uh, and I wouldn't have thought that before yeah, the season. I thought it was going to be a fight to be yeah, in that kind of 10 to yeah. 12 range where you need to be to be and, a, a and legit And sort of threat. doing it in a very uncasey yeah. way, like or at least the way he preached defense as it as he came into Toronto. And yeah, much league, less conservative has, yeah, now. Yeah, the league has obviously changed a lot yeah. and dictates... Uh, but it's just, you know, I think they're fourth in steal rate, and uh, it's just... Which is big, because their yeah. transition game is awesome with some of those young guys yeah, out there. Yeah, and that's and their, their half-court offense is not awesome, no, so not. the more they can run, the better. Um, so uh, to see how that's gone from theory to practice has been the most, I, I don't know if it's a surprise, but definitely the most pleasant element. It's of, ahead of schedule, yeah. I would say, for sure, the way that those pieces have fit together. Um, here's what they do. The first eight minutes of the game, they play the starters. Yes. They in go those down, in those eight minutes. No, no, no. In those <laughs> minutes, you just you just score a lot, yeah. and you're up like thirty to twenty-eight, <laughs> and then you do a full line change. The bench comes in for the last four minutes of the quarter, and they win three to nothing. <laughs> and then you're up five every quarter, and that's I don't see any way that that doesn't work. That will work a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Just um, like that. Okay, so Thursday. DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis will be here. They combined for 69 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists tonight. They're good. They're going to be tougher tests than the uh, Chicago Bulls. Yeah. And they're most likely going to roast Serge Ibaka and Jonas Valanciunas. No. Yeah. It's not going to be great. And then the Raptors are heading out on a three-game trip. Yes. You'll be on. I will be on it. And also be covering the Leafs in Boston on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, you will. Fire Babcock. Uh, have me uh, on the Leafs podcast. Uh, or... James Myrtle have me on the Leafs Report podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, that should be fun. Yeah. Celtics. I'm excited for you. I love Boston. Uh, as a, a town, not as a... The town? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, 
Yeah, no, that'll be, I mean, Celtics, Rockets, Pelicans isn't an easy trip by any stretch. It is not. If the Raptors come out of these next four with a 2-2 two and two mark, I think that's probably a, a win. Yeah. And, like, maybe you're – I mean, you'd obviously love to beat Boston because – They're Boston. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Pelicans – as tough as they are, are the two most winnable games in that four-game yeah, stretch. So. absolutely. Um, uh, although the second one is the second night of a back-to-back, the one yeah. in New Orleans. And they always shoot like 32% in New Orleans. I wonder why that would be. Well, they, they won't have that excuse Yeah, they won't have the night before, being, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Well, um, I'm going to miss you. No, it's okay. I'll be back. And, yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, excited to witness this team continue to go on its journey the look on eric's face right now is <laughs> i just didn't know how I was eric gonna, doesn't want to talk on the podcast anymore i didn't know how i was going to get out of that sentence okay guys riverdale is still bad oh yeah so caitlin's not coming on this week um <laughs> because this game is tuesday night and i want the podcast to go up wednesday morning and okay. then a new riverdale will come up so um should have called her today i should have but again i've been a little scattered well, but, i have dogs now yeah also, you know, there's the 905, too, and yeah, my guys, full-time job. and Blake grinds so, no. so hard. Harder um, than Norman Powell, arguably. Yeah, this is this is me, um, Kevin Durant in the gym, yelling out the number of shots that I've taken, <laughs> just in case anyone walks in. 1,001! Um, no, so I, I kind of neglected to bring Caitlin on. I kind of drop the ball on the timing okay, of when fine. the podcast would come out. Riverdale, Riverdale, the Riverdale reasonable thing was supposed to, we were doing this podcast on Tuesday regularly, and the schedule just worked out way better for us to drop it on Wednesdays. So, um, I don't know, the Riverdale takes our stale, and a new episode is coming yeah. by the time. Although I did promise people that Caitlin and I would actually predict who the shooter was. I don't think there's a lot of information based on that episode to do that. No. You gave false promises to the people. Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, look, I said I was going to put Caitlin on the spot, and I didn't even bring her on. So yeah. um, next week, Caitlin will definitely give you her takes because you'll be on the road. So uh, um, Slow motion fight this week. That was fun. Yeah, in the rain. Yeah, dreamy. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm back in on Archie, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel the way about Archie that I think Dwayne Casey feels about Bebe, where, like, he, I mean, it's it's bad, and you don't want to play him because you know it's probably going to be bad, and then there are just, like, some times where it's like, this is incredible. What? Uh, to, be, to be clear, I don't feel that way about Bebe. I feel like that's maybe how Dwayne Casey feels about him. Um, I feel like Bebe is just, Bebe is the good place to me. Like, he's always the best. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, did you see his Jacksonville Jaguars rule? Did you see his like ten minute halftime conversation with Bobby Portis? Tonight? I have no idea what they were talking about. Bobby Portis didn't get a word in. Yeah, no, Bebe was just like talking nonstop, and occasionally you'd see Portis move his mouth for like a half second, and then Bebe would continue to talk. I uh, want Bebe because Noguera is is super well liked by other players, uh, and he's obviously he's always a big hit like man in, of the people. at summer league and stuff. Um, but you know how in baseball sometimes a chatty first baseman will like annoy someone because he's so chatty, or like maybe you get someone to kind of lower their guard and you can do yeah. like a hidden baseball or something. Yeah, I think that that happened a little big big league. Maybe. Yeah, I want um, I want Lucas Noguera to be like super chatty, like. At, while a free throw is going on, and then he just like sneaks away for an offensive rebound and a putback, or like during an inbound, he's just like casually talking to someone, and they're like lulled into um, this kind of security, and then Baby just like quickly cuts and catches a lob off the inbound. And you wanna know what happened to me in rec basketball this week? Nobody wants to know what happened to you in rec basketball this week. The guy who I was guarding banked in a shot 
unintentionally. I told him that was, you know, BS. And then he said, all right, you're not getting the ball for the rest of the game. And he face-guarded me. It sounds like something I would do. 55 minutes. Yeah, no, but it was like, and he was in way better shape than me, so he could face-guard me successfully. That sucks. Yeah, it was a bummer. It's weird that Patrick Beverly plays it directly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's a competitive disadvantage for uh, uh, our team, but we try, we try, we try. All right, um, we're going to wrap this up. i got to go let some dogs out, and we're just rambling anyway. So <laughs> this, is, uh, this is essential stuff. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on, man. Enjoy the road trip. Thanks, Blake. We'll talk, talk to, you, to you from Houston, I guess, next week, probably. We'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, guys, Probably. thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to The uh, the Athletic. Read all Eric's great stuff. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. See ya. It's too late to be a reasonable